0: Good morning. Welcome to Houghton Wesleyan Church. Would you please stand and join with me in the responsive reading? Let us worship God who has done great things. Let us worship God who has called streams of mercy to flow in the wasteland. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Please pray with me. Lord, as we come into your presence today to worship you, may we, in the words of the psalmist, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
1: Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. A couple of things I want to uh, bring to your attention happening this week. Wednesday evening, uh, the children's ministries will be meeting, but instead of the prayer group, uh, normally meets at 6.30. At 7 o'clock, we are hosting uh, a prayer event with the district, and uh, we'll be uh, focusing on praying for uh, local ministries, and so we want to uh, encourage you to be a part of this gathering at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary on Wednesday night. And then Thursday is another day set aside for prayer. Beginning at 6 a.m. on Thursday, continuing to 6 a.m. on Friday, the prayer room will be open. We encourage you to come, reserve an hour, you can do that this morning before you leave or online anytime through the church website, and to come and to pray. And then we're also uh, offering uh, corporate prayer times again at noon, 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. And we've had some great times of praying together, uh, taking communion together, and then Going to the prayer room and uh, just offering our prayers together to the Lord. And uh, it's, it's been some great times. And we are focusing again on some of the events of the Passion of Christ. And each week moving a little bit closer to, uh, to the cross. So we encourage you to be a part of either of those gatherings. Please join me in the prayer of confession that's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. Powerful and forgiving Lord. By enduring the pain of the cross, you have shown us the price love must pay for taking sin seriously. The nails, the crown, the humiliation, mockery, and shame you went through delivered us from the stronghold of sin and enabled us to live in the freedom only you can give. That is the reality of the cross, but not the reality of our lives. In our contentment, we forsake the transforming work of the cross. In our disobedience, we nullify the redeeming and forgiving power of the cross. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways in which we do not take our sin as seriously as you do. For what it costs us daily is nothing in comparison to what you have already paid. Help us to reflect on the mercies of your cross. And as we do, give us the strength and grace to take up our own and to follow. In confessing our sins, let us hear your words of assurance. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen.
0: Our Old Testament reading today is found in Psalm 89, verses 19 through 29. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David my servant. With sacred oil I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Savior. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. This is the word of the Lord. Would you stand and join together in the singing of the doxology as the ushers come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. As we offer a portion of those gifts back to you, use them for the glory of your gospel and the work of your kingdom. Amen.
2: sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. trials or temptations. Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer.
1: God calls us, invites us to bring all of our burdens, all of our concerns to him. As we pray together this morning, if you'd like to come and use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father thank you for the invitation to come offer our hearts to you in prayer we come to this hour of worship today in a spirit of gratitude for all the ways in which you have been at work in our lives and in this world this week we thank you for the healings that have taken place. Thank you for things that have been broken, being restored. Thank you for protection. Perhaps often when we were not even aware of needing to be protected. Thank you for all the ways in which you pour out the abundance of your blessings upon us. Father, we come today with burdens as well. We think of those who are grieving this morning. For some, the grief is new and fresh. For others, the grief is so deep that. It continues to weigh and burden. And you know each heart, each mind, and we pray for your comforting presence and for your healing grace. Father, we pray for all who are struggling with illness. We ask for your mercy upon each of them. We pray for Beulah Avery, Jill Tyson for Priscilla Walsh, Vesta Mullen, Bruce Brenneman, for Bill Roski, Bev Rett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Isla Shea, Edna Howard, Crystal Blake, Emily Crickler. And for others who are on our minds today, we pray for your healing grace in each of them. Father, we pray for our relationships. Thank you for those who, that seem in good places right now. And we pray for your restoring grace for those that are not where we wish they would be. Father, we pray for our world. So much war, violence, need, Lord, we ask for your grace to bear on this world that you've created in love. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be active in this world, healing and restoring and bringing peace in the midst of the chaos and supplying the needs of those whose needs are so desperate. We think of those who are serving you in places of the world, and we ask your grace to continue to be upon them We think especially of people who are preparing to go on mission trips this summer. Individuals, groups, teams. We pray for your mercy upon each of them. We think of Brianna and others and ask that you would help them in their preparation and in all the ways in which they will serve. We ask for your grace to be at work in their lives and in the lives of those to whom they minister. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters who face opposition for their faith and we think this morning of the Christians in Syria. Some of whom who have been recently abducted, being held captive. We pray, Father, that you will release them, protect them. And Father, while they are being held, may may their hearts be so open to you that their captors would see you in them and might come to be open to you. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you for all the ways in which you are at work and the ways in which you answer our prayers. We pray all of this For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Our New Testament reading is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. And as in the tradition of the church and in reverence for the words of Christ, would you please stand with me for the reading of the gospel? They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Christ said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Every time we pray, an image of God comes into our minds and our thoughts. We aren't always aware of it. We're not typically thinking in those terms. But it does. Every time we pray to God, there is something about the nature, the character of God as we see it that is a part of our mindset as we pray. The more I think about this, I realize that our view of God has a bearing on our prayers probably more than we realize. And and how we pray has more of a bearing on our view of God than we realize. And I'm coming to think that there is no more accurate revelation of our view of God than our prayers. They are intimately woven together. So when we come to this this story in Mark's gospel of Jesus in the garden, an hour before he's arrested And eventually to the cross. We find Jesus praying. And we wonder what is in Jesus' mind as he prays? What image of God is is in his mind, in his heart, his spirit, as he comes to this moment of greatest crisis? What is the image of God? That image is summed up in two words. Abba, Father. And if Jesus, in this moment of crisis, in this moment of stress, and this moment of of deep decision... Has this distinct, thinks this about God, it ought to say something about us and our prayers and our view of God. This word "Abba" is an unusual word for Jesus to use here. It is not a common way of addressing God. It, from what scholars can tell, it seems that it, it comes from baby talk: "Mama, Dada." It is that those first words that an infant uses referring to his or her father. And which is why often people will translate a word, this word is sort of hard to translate, they will use the term daddy. Now, that makes us uncomfortable, I think, typically, to say we're going to address God as daddy. It feels just a little bit too intimate, a little bit too casual, maybe. And if we feel that way, how much more the people of Israel, who from the beginning are taught to see God as other than them. This awesome being. God says to Moses, you tell the people of Israel that if they wonder who I am, you tell them I am who I am. Yahweh, that is my name. That's how you'll know me. And he says, I am a God, the God, who is completely other than them, and they need to understand that. And the whole sacrificial system, all of their worship is built around this image of God who is so awesome, they don't even pronounce his name. It feels like blasphemy. So for Jesus... To be in prayer and to say, Abba, is shocking to them. And yet, this is the term he uses. This words only used two other times in the New Testament, both from the pen of the Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 8 about some of the difficulties that they are facing. He talks to them about God as Abba, Father. It is the same in Galatians chapter 4. And I think, at least I, I ponder, the reason Paul encourages them to use this term to address God is because they struggle to do it. And so do we. And a lot of it comes back to our image of Father. When I say the word Father, for some of you... What that engenders is joy, love, compassion, security. It, it, it gives you this feeling of warmth. It gives you this, this feeling of loveliness and beauty and everything positive that you could possibly imagine. For others of you, it may be a different image. Maybe different words. Maybe for some of you, the, the word father brings to mind words like abuse, neglect, abandonment, disconnected. Perhaps the word father sends chills up and down your spine and not for good reasons. Maybe when you think of father, you, you think of, of someone who's Favorite words were, I don't have time for you now. Someone who drove you to perfection and beyond in whatever you did, academics, athletics, some organization you were a part of, the home. Everything you did, it seemed as though it was the bar kept getting higher and higher. And when you felt like you reached it, the response was, that's the best you can do. And the word father is anything but positive to you. But, but here's the truth. Whether your image is positive or negative, there is always going to be some level of disappointment with our earthly parents. None of them are perfect. Because there are no perfect people. And our parents frustrated us. And maybe they still do. And sometimes we feel burdens from our parents. Sometimes we may, feel, uh, we may feel unsettled about our parents. We may not understand our parents. We may disagree with our parents. Because none of them are perfect. They make mistakes. We make mistakes. If you're a parent, you know that all too well. In fact, they, they flash before your eyes over and over again. Of the things that, that you wish you'd done differently, it's being human. And so however we view our parents, when we use the word "father" in relationship to God, there is always going to be some level of, of disappointment and it creates an atmosphere which it makes it difficult for us to understand God the way Jesus does and the way God intends. But it's not just how we view our fathers, it's also just the way life evolves and and the, the disappointments and the struggles that we face, especially when we think about prayer. We've all had experiences where we prayed about something earnestly and it didn't go the way we wanted. We wanted this loved one healed and they aren't. We wanted to get that job and we don't. We wanted this relationship to work out and it doesn't. We pray and we ask and we seek, and it doesn't turn out the way we pray and ask and seek. And we're left feeling the sense of disappointment with God. Why not? What's going on, God? What's wrong with you? We end up with this skewed view of God as Father. And the problem with that is that this skewed view of God as Father directly affects our prayers. It leads us to a pagan understanding of prayer and probably a pagan practice of prayer. What ends up happening is we think we have to manipulate God to give us what we want. We have to badger God until we wear him down enough that he will give us what we want. This is the practice of the pagan people around Israel. It's one of the things that God was most upset with them about when they would go off and they would follow the practices of these other nations. Because it implied that the image of God was the same as the image of their gods. And that image was anything but flattering. Their gods didn't want to have anything to do with human beings. If they could avoid it, they would. They certainly didn't want to do good things for them. Their relationship with human beings typically came about by accident or punishment. And God says, that's not me. Jesus tells his disciples, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. He loves to do good for us. We don't have to beg God or manipulate God or cajole God or trick God into doing good for us. And and, if we, and yet because we live with this skewed view of God, we fall into that trap. And so we make deals with God. If I do this, then I want you to do that. Lord, if, or if you do this, then I'll do that. You know, it's the, the famous, Lord, if you get me out of this bind, I'll be a missionary wherever in the world you want me to go. And we say, you know, we, we think in our minds, we don't often say this out loud, but we're thinking it in the back of our minds, Lord, I I deserve this. I'm I'm praying more than I used to. I'm reading my Bible more than I used to. I'm going to church more than I used to. I'm being a lot nicer than I used to. Surely that ought to get me something. And and we we think we, we make deals with God. And it all comes back to our view of God. Because something in us isn't convinced that God is who he says he is. That he is not Abba, Father, who loves us unconditionally, who creates us in love because he wants to, who is involved in our lives in ways that we cannot always see. So that's part of the problem, is that we think we know better what, we, what is best for us. We're a lot like children. You know, children only see the moment, parents hopefully at least see the bigger picture and so you know, as children all we're thinking about is what's the what's the most enjoyable thing i can do right at the moment and we get angry with our parents if they don't let us do that they're mean they're hateful they don't want us to have any fun they're old they don't know anything Probably I've discovered for myself the most profound way of understanding my parents was to become a parent. You go, oh, now I get it. I see that. I see we're like that with God. Lord, why can't I have this? Why can't this why can't you do this for me? I don't understand. You don't love me. You don't care about me. You don't want me to have any fun. And we're so focused on the moment. And God is focused on the bigger picture of our lives. See, as children, we don't see any big deal playing in the street. But our parents do. And the most loving parent isn't the one who says to their children, do whatever you want. I don't want to keep you from anything. The most loving parent is the one who is... Careful about helping to set boundaries for children who simply don't understand danger and security and the difference often between what's good and bad. I was reading recently about a woman who was on a flight from Tucson to Phoenix, not a long flight, smaller plane she got on, took her seat, and she saw a woman, young woman come up the aisle holding a little baby. Dressed, the little baby was dressed, both of them in these beautiful dresses. She sat down right next to the woman telling the story in the seat on the plane, and they began to talk, and she said that they had been away from home. She said, I think it was just one day, but you would have thought it was a lot longer than that. They were really homesick. And they were coming back, and the whole time this little baby was saying, Dad-Dad, Dad, 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 Dad. dad, dad. Everyone who walked down the aisle, dad, 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 dad. You know, it's in that stage of learning to talk, and those were the words everybody was, dad, 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 dad. Da. It's a cute little baby. All the people around this uh, woman and the baby were making over the baby, and and uh, the mother had a little thermos of juice and a jar of, of fruit, and she was give her a little juice, a little bit of fruit to kind of quiet her down and keep her settled. And so they took off, and she said, it was one of the rockiest flights she'd ever been on. It was so turbulent that the flight attendants stayed in their seats strapped in. And said the baby was, you know, was upsetting the baby, so she was crying, and so the more she cried, the more juice and fruit the mother gave her. And eventually, and the woman telling the story said, I don't know how to get out of this story without kind of being brutally honest, but eventually what went down came up. All of it. She said, and it seemed and then some. I mean it was everywhere. The seat the back of the seat in front of them, the person in front of them, the person beside them, the mother, the baby, I mean, everywhere. He said, you would never seen such a mess. He said, you know, it's one of those cases you think you, you smell something and you try to get away from it. and Then you realize, oh, wait, that's me. And he said, I didn't know whether to burn my clothes or just cut off the sleeve. It was just horrible smelling and it was terrible mess. And the woman was so apologetic and they were all trying to be polite and nice and all the while going, oh, my goodness. So they land and now baby's fine. And dad, 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 dad again. And they were coming down the gateway and everyone's sort of, you know, kind of walking like this is trying to get out of there. And she saw a man standing at the end of the, of the jetway wearing white slacks and a white shirt holding a white flower and a little, the little green paper. And she thought to herself, I think that's daddy. And she's thinking, what is going to unfold here with this scene? So I'm thinking, the father's going to run to them and realize what's going on with this baby. And he's going to run the other way and say, I don't even know that child. He did run to them. And she said, I don't want to say the mother threw the baby at him. But she gave gave her to him as quickly as she could to go get cleaned up. And the father didn't hold the baby out like this. He embraced this little baby. And the whole time little baby's saying, dad, 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 dad. He's saying, baby's come home. Daddy's baby's come home. And kissing on her and hugging her. And he said, I followed them all the way to the baggage claim. And he just kissed that little baby the whole way. And he was just getting a mess, but it didn't matter. And he said, I stood there watching the scene unfold. And the thought. What would make me think that my Father in Heaven would be any less loving than a father wearing white slacks and a white shirt holding this messy, stinky baby? Nothing. We're in the season of Lent and it's a time... As we think about the cross, we think about our own sins and we're reflecting on our own failures and the ways in which we fall short of of God's designs for us. And quite frankly, there are some days we just feel like we're a mess. And we suspect in the back of our minds that God is saying, I'm not, not my kid. Don't want to have anything to do with them. You get yourself cleaned up first, then you come talk to me. But he doesn't. His arms are always open wide to us. He is the perfect, loving Father, Abba. And he's inviting us to run to him and to feel his embrace and to share our hearts with him. Whatever's in our hearts, the good stuff and the bad stuff, the joys and the sorrows, the successes and the failures, because that's what loving fathers do. They welcome us. I think part of our struggle is how the, the idea and the understanding and how we describe God has shifted through the years. Dennis Kinlaw says that in the first three centuries of the church, the the focus of the nature and the character of God tended to be on God's fatherhood. And the ways of describing God tended to be family terms. And for those, for those, that's why the creeds began, I believe in God the Father. And they were much more concerned, not about... Uh, about not about legal terms but about familial terms and about restoration and healing more so than justification as important as that is and then we came to the point in history where that began to shift and and the idea of god became much more rather than father it became much more judge And we began to interpret relationship with God like a courtroom. And that's a valid image and it's an important image. But when that becomes the primary image, it's a very different kind of relationship with God than the image of family and father. You come and stand before a judge in a very different way than you do a loving father and and the idea of god as judge certainly is biblical and it's true and it's important for us to to understand but i think at the core of god's being is not judge but father kimball makes the point that that from the beginning At the center of God's nature, it's not sovereignty, as important as that is. It's love. Because God only needed to be sovereign when he created things to be sovereign over. But from the very beginning, the Trinity has related in love. The Trinity doesn't relate to one another in power but in love, it's about relationship. And at the heart of the being of God is love, and everything else about God's being flows out of his nature, his core of love. And that defines everything else that we speak of about God. And it doesn't minimize those things. It simply puts them in perspective. And When Jesus is kneeling in the garden, in this moment of crisis, in this moment of the battle being won or lost, and he addresses God, he says, Abba, Father. It's significant that this is the only time Jesus uses that term, at least that's recorded. Maybe he used it other times. Some people think he did. But this is the only time we have recorded him using that term for God. And it seems significant to me it's in this moment of deepest, greatest crisis. The moment when he's actually asking God if this plan might be changed, might be different. In that moment, he doesn't appeal to God as almighty, though he is. He says, Abba, Father. Obviously, I don't know the struggles that you bring with you even to this place of worship today. It might be It might be sins you're wrestling with. It might be relationships that are broken. It, It might be decisions that are ahead of you. Maybe you come today wondering about God's love for you, wondering about questioning God's goodness to you in this world. And I just want to say that in these moments of difficulty, and struggle in these moments when we're wrestling with the stuff inside of us and the stuff of life. Be assured that your loving, heavenly Father is with you. And He's calling us to come and to open our hearts to Him and to see Him as Father. And like a little child, a little child that trusts with every part of its being, we say, Abba, Father. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are good and merciful. Thank you for the privilege of being your children. We pray that you will break down the walls and the barriers that keep us from seeing who you really are. We pray that you will heal the distortions. That hinder our ability to see you and understand you as you really are. Help us to come today and to walk into your embrace and to discover more of who you are as Abba Father. Through Christ we pray. Amen.